Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Hey, struck out as Stanton goes down. And that's eight strikeouts for Shane McClanahan. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him. Line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag. He turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our latest show. Today, you'll hear from Christian Bethencourt about his unique path to Tampa Bay. We'll discuss the Yankees series and more with Brian Anderson of Valley Sports Sun. We'll visit with prospect Oslevis Basabe. Our latest feature in baseball operations highlights David Hamlet. Plus, we'll chat with Brandon Lau about being a Clemente Award nominee and visit with Rodney Linares about the infield. Now, coming up, Christian Bethencourt on his long and winding road to Tampa Bay and why he's enjoying it here so much. You're listening to This Week in Race Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and joining us right now is Christian Bethencourt. Christian, welcome. What's the last uh, couple of months been like with this group? I know it's been new and exciting in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. Um, it's been wonderful. I mean, that's, I think if I have to pick one word to describe it, I, I say it's been wonderful. Obviously, the winning part is very important, but also... They're welcoming me as a family, making me feel uh, one of them from day one that I got here. Uh, that's that's huge for any player. And uh, when I got here, we did the same uh, with Siri, then with um, Peralta and Clevenger and all the guys that we've been getting. Like we've been we've been treating them, and and they treat me as one of them that we started like we like just like we started from day one. And and you know that's that that just makes you comfortable, makes you feeding right away and 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 make you be part of the team when did you feel comfortable here what was it day one day two a week when did you say hey this feels like home again i'll say a few days after you know especially the first day you know you're trying to get everybody uh everyone is is throwing their names and you're trying to remember names and and there 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 was a group big group of guys that i knew from the past and play before or play with in the past, and um, and yeah, after after, after I'll say after a few days, you know, you, you get your feet wet, you, you get on the field, and then you're starting to show what you can do on the field, and um, you know that's when you start feeling comfortable, and you get in the rhythm of, of of the players, the coaches, and and how things runs over here, and and then you know after a few days, I'll say like like you you get uh, and and you feel like you're fitting in right now. It's very clear you have a love for the game. And watching you, I was surprised to know that this was your first year in the big leagues in a few. How how tough was it the last few years? I know you went to Korea. What was that experience like and how gratifying is it to be back in the big leagues all year again? Definitely is 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 a very humble experience for me. Um, I came up to the Bayer Leagues when I was very young. I think I was 21 when I first came up to the Bayer Leagues. Um, I, 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 when I came to the Mayor's, it was in a very 
competitive team. Uh, it was a team that was in the playoffs. It was the Atlanta Braves, and uh, that was back in 2013. And and there was a lot of rules, a lot of pressure, being in the playoffs, a lot of veteran guys, and um, and and you know just being there, um, having guys like Brian McCann, Tim Hudson, like. Like those are guys that you grew up. Like I grew up watching, and um, I came out through the minor league system, wanting to be like them. And then I'm there with them, and you know, there's a lot of feelings that that get confused. And and I didn't know how to act. I didn't know how to be. And and uh, you know, I had a lot of ups and downs. Like you say, I went to Korea. I was released twice. And um, and yeah, after like four and a half years, and back in the major leagues, and. And it's just like my first time, and I'm doing stuff, and I'm, I feel like now I'm being myself, and 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 I don't have the pressure of, okay, you're a top prospect, and and you know we're expecting a lot from you, and now I'm just like, okay, like you're in there, show show us what you can do, and uh, I feel like that that takes a lot of pressure off me, and and that's making me be more myself and and uh, and perform better out the field. And part of the reason I said that you throw so well, I think there was a throw in Boston where you were like one six, one seven, to second base, and I'm like, how's the guy who throws so well not in the big leagues? You know, not the way you receive. Was it tough for you sometimes to say, hey, I should be there. I think I'm better than these guys. And how did you handle that? I don't like comparing myself to no one. I mean, there's so many great guys, so many amazing catchers in the big leagues, and and all the teams, all the catchers. I think there is at least two catchers for a team. There are some teams that have three, and and they're all in the big leagues for a reason. We all deserve the reason. We all have have deserved why we're in the big leagues, and and um, and there is a lot of things that that will like that will point out of, from you. So mine is throwing guys out and throwing to the bases, and and that's being always my my standout point, you know. And uh, and I've been able to work a lot on my framing, receiving, and. And it's just being complimenting and, and everything is getting together back in pieces and able to hit some homers here and there. That's always fun, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been fun. Uh, I went to a, uh, to a rough time of my career where I was not near Major League Baseball and, and now I'm here and I'm, I'm taking advantage of uh, every opportunity and being very grateful. Growing up in Panama, did you always want to play baseball, and did you always want to catch? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely the, there is a story behind uh, why I'm a catcher. So uh, when I started in T-ball, um, I, I think I was in the outfield or third base, and that's the story my mom and my dad tell me all the time, why I became a catcher. And uh, whatever they hit the ball, you know, we're kids. We're like five, six, seven years old. So whatever they hit the ball, I would run and try to get the ball and throw it in because I thought I was the best player on the team. And uh, I was always leaving my position and everything, and then they decided to put me behind the plate because uh, they told me that if I leave the home plate, then they will score runs and we will lose. And that was the reason why they kept me behind the plate, and I just took it with me, and um, and it paid off, and the catcher took me to the big leagues. Because, you know, being in Panama, obviously Mariano Rivera is the most famous and well-known player from Panama I was wondering if he inspired you at all or who were your inspirations growing up when you started paying attention to the chance of playing in the big leagues uh yeah definitely it was uh Mariano Herrera we had Carlos Lee uh we also had Carlos Ruiz that was a catcher for the Phillies and you know after when I started to get more involved into 
professional baseball, like I've, obviously I felt more to follow up more Carlos Ruiz because he was a catcher, I was a catcher, so I was more following up to him. And then when I, my first few years in the big leagues with Atlanta, we were division rivals and uh, we became friends and, and that, was, that was just amazing. I was with him in, in the Philly system when he was coming through. A really good guy, too. Yeah, he's an amazing guy. That, uh, he gave me, he knew I was going through some rough times by a few of the things I mentioned earlier by being a top prospect and you have to show and, and, and we're expecting a lot from you and that's just putting a lot of pressure. And, and he did help me. He did talk to me a lot. And, and um, I think all, all the things that I learned from the past, I'm implying them now that I'm older and, and I understand better the things I need to do to make me feel better and, and, and the things I can control and the things I cannot control. And way before all of that happened, you played in the Little League World Series for Panama, right? Do you remember much about that whole experience? Yeah, definitely. I played in 2004, if I remember. Uh, I was representing, obviously, Panama, but we were representing Latin America uh, at the same time. And uh, uh, it, was, it was just an amazing experience. It's just like being, being a Little League and the Big League because of the, all the setup and everything they have, the TVs, the fans. And it's just it's just amazing for the kids and and until now until this day I'm still watch the Little League series every year like you know every every clubhouse in the major leagues if you're a Little League player and you're listening every major league player when we get to the clubhouse we're watching you guys in the Little League World Series play and we have so much fun watching you guys and that's just amazing for me knowing that when I was in the Little League. The guys that were in the major leagues in 2004, they were probably watching me play. So that's that's just very, that's that's just something amazing. You know, I was curious too. With, I think it was recently, you your family came from Panama to watch you play in the big leagues. What did that mean to you? And as someone who played this game as a kid, to have your own kids get to see you play, what does that meant? Uh, yeah, they, actually, they're still here. They're they'll be going uh, back home tomorrow. A lot of people doesn't know, but the reason. Because uh, my oldest, he's still in school. So every time they come here, he misses a week in school. So he, they cannot be here full-time just because of that. But uh, we, we're working on it. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Um, uh, they came to New York uh, in July or June, right before I got traded. I think it was June. And that was actually the first time I had my wife and, and, and my kids watching me play professional baseball. They did came to the Dominican Republic playing winter ball. But obviously, it's not the same than being in the major leagues. And and um, a few days ago, they got the chance to watch me play on my birthday. And uh, it happened that, that day I hit a homer. That was uh, very special. Um, I was actually thinking about it the whole day and the day before. I was like, it would be so cool to hit a homer in front of my family on my birthday. That's just it was just it was just like a perfect picture that I had. And uh, and and thank God it happened. Beyond your debut, was that your best big league moment? It has to be, yeah. Beyond my debut, that has to be homering on your birthday with your kids, what your family watching, and um, and, uh, and 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 a really close game that it was at the moment. I think we were winning one nothing, and um, anything could have happened at the moment. And um, and I'm very grateful for that moment. That's the moment that probably that was stand out uh, as a number one so far. And we mentioned you know, how you got into catching, but you've done a bit of everything. You've played some first, you've played outfield in your career, you obviously have pitched. How, what got you to stick, though, to staying with or go back to catching? I think just because being my number one position is a, is a position that always 
they're all teams will always require catchers teams will always that's what my agents always tell me he's like teams always need catchers you got the chance that you have a great arm you're athletic um you can you, you can hit you can hit homers uh you got the power and uh teams always will be intriguing with you and they'll always they're always someone that will give you a chance and and see what you can do and yeah but I, I personally uh i like playing outfield when i did play that last year in triple a i was playing a lot of outfield a lot of first base i was barely catching i was more catching towards the end and um and uh back a few years ago when i was at the padres i was playing right field left field catcher pinch hitter i did pitch for one year and you know it's just the, it's just the way i see it the way i see it is that i i like being expendable i like being open to try new things to help the teams what I, whatever they need me and um when catch asked me he's like hey like if we need you like you know we're winning let's take the best picture which is we're winning by a lot of runs and we want to save an inning from the bullpen i'll be like yeah like i'll do it like even he's like even if you're catching i'm like yes I'll do it. Like if you need me to help that my team that way and my pitchers, like I'll do it. And um, and uh, yeah, like one day happened. I caught nine innings and then I closed the nine. And that was that's that's just like the best you can get. No more ninety six from you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had a I had a talk with uh, Kyle Snyder. Uh, he's like, uh, yeah, I, I, we like that you help us, but. You know, we, we're good with, like, 50-somethings, maybe a 90, 86, but just don't throw any more 95s and stuff. Uh, it's, it's cool. Like, don't get me wrong. It's nice to throw hard. I know all the, the pitchers that throw hard, they can tell you how cool it is. But uh, I also understand that right now my priority is being a catcher, and I have to uh, take care of myself so I can uh, help the team behind the plate when, I, when I'm needed. That's 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 my job for the day, and um, and I'll take it like that. Well, you're doing a very good job of it. We appreciate your time. We're glad you're acclimating so well to race baseball. Yeah, thank you guys for having me, and I'm always going to be uh, thankful for the opportunity I've been given here, and uh, and and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. That's Christian Bethencourt. We continue right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons, and time now to talk about the week gone by. Joining us from New York, Brian Anderson from Valley Sports NBA. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, absolutely, Neil. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. You know, we just had a, our, our feature with Christian Bethencourt uh, on the program, and I wanted to first ask you just about the job that he has done the last couple months and how difficult you know as a pitcher it is to learn a staff mid-season and really thrive along with Francisco Mejia the last couple months. Yeah, you know what? It takes a lot of work behind the scenes. You know, stuff that we will never see, you will only hear about. Because you're right, it's, that is a challenge to come into uh, a situation. It's a challenge for a new catcher to come into spring training where you've got six weeks to learn 
a new staff. That's difficult. To do it on the fly in the middle of the season with a team that has the expectation that the Rays do, and by the way, the churn and turnover that they Mm -hmm. have on their pitching staff, you know, it it is extremely difficult. But you know what? Listen, he's come in. He's done a heck of a job. You know, he's got an interesting history, too, because, you know, when you look back at Christian Bethencourt, he had not been in the major leagues since 2017. And that was eight games with, I believe it was the Padres. And then all of a sudden he's bouncing around independent leagues, Korean leagues, you know, gets an opportunity with Oakland. Uh, The Rays take a look. They like what they see. There's a need. They bring him in. And boy, I'll tell you, he has fit right in to what the Rays are, are trying to accomplish. And he's done a heck of a job for them, no doubt. No question about that. And certainly this week, I think, is highlighted by the return of guys. And Christian caught Drew Rasmussen, and I was amazed at how good and sharp he was when you consider that he probably had, what, uh, other than the night before, probably a handful of hours of sleep? Oh, yeah. Listen, <laughs> I, I think we all wondered what we were going to, uh, you know, what to expect in that start because, you know, of course he goes on the paternity list because his wife is about to, to give birth to, to Rhett William, their little boy, and so he's going to miss the start. And by the way, this is coming off of the month of August where he was the American League pitcher of the month. And so you're like, how in the world can you top that? except that's what he did. He went out and topped a career-high 10 strikeouts in his six innings. He was just on point with everything, and, and you're starting to get the feel for some of these, you know, like a, a guy like Drew Rasmussen and, and, and Jeffrey Springs, that they like the big moments, the big games. You know, for Drew Rasmussen, who had not pitched against the Yankees this season at all, to roll into Yankee Stadium to kind of set the tone on a Friday night in a big series and go out and give the performance that he gave, you know, that, that's a guy who likes the spotlight, and he likes to be in those in those big-time moments. Speaking of guys liking the spotlight, uh, how impressive was Wander Franco's return, knowing what he's dealt with the last couple months? Well, I, I think it was it was huge. I mean, first of all, yeah, you, you break the hammock bone. That was, I think, it's July the 9th in Cincinnati. And so you're going to have surgery on that, and then you're going to have to uh, you know, to, to go on uh, to rehab it. And then you go on a rehab assignment, and that gets cut short because there's lingering pain and, you know, discomfort. And so, you know, now there's the starts and the stops, and, and is this going to go as smoothly as, as we had hoped? It doesn't look like it. And then all of a sudden, he finally makes it back for the big series again. And what was it, the first pitch? First pitch mm-hmm. he saw from Frankie Montas, fastball middle in, rips it into the gap, and you're like, okay, He's back, and that's all it really took to get him going. You know, a three-hit game. You know, you saw him hit the ball uh, the other way, which is always, you know, big with these hitters like like Franco. Yeah, you can pull for power, but he shows you that back control and that ability to take the ball into left field. He did a couple. He did that a couple of times in that game, also. So, um, yeah, great, great to have him back. I'll tell you, the, the Rays were able to keep the ship afloat. And, and stay within striking distance. And then all of a sudden, these guys started coming back. Mejia, Ramirez, Margot, Chagua, Fairbanks, Franco. And now you've got a complete team. They're healthy, they're fresh, and, uh, and looking for a strong finishing kick. And the expectation is you'll get McClanahan back on Thursday, too, which obviously that's best-case scenario, really, considering what we were thinking or worried about in Miami. Without a doubt. I, I think that when that happened, just for the simple fact that he had to go on the 15-day IL, you're like, okay, mid-September is the earliest you could get him. And that's probably not going to be the case. It'll probably be a little bit of a buffer uh, time there. Well, it doesn't look like that's going to be. It looks like it is going to be mid-September, which was absolutely the best-case scenario. 
Um, I've seen him out throwing and, and doing work, you know, in the, in the stadiums when we're up here doing our prep work, and, and he's out there doing his thing, and he looks good. His, his spirits are good, and I think everything with that, that shoulder, the impingement, feels good. It feels strong. The only question I think they have is when he does come back, is he limited in any way? Did, they, did that first start back, did they kind of limit him in pitches? That remains to be seen, but just to have him back out there is huge. No question. How important is this Sunday game in your mind? Obviously, it's three and a half or five and a half from the division. You haven't won the season series. What's your feel for how important this game is and a potential third straight series win over New York? I think it's huge. I think it's really huge for the psyche of this team. I don't think it's make or break for the season, but I think that it would certainly bolster the confidence of this team for the reason you just said, third straight series win against this team. And, oh, by the way, you're rolling into Toronto where you're going to play five games in four days, a very challenging part of your schedule where you're on the road. You've got the night game followed by a double dip and, and you know, night game, afternoon game, and, and then you come back home against, you know, against a really good Blue Jay team. So I think today, uh, I think today is huge. And, you know, you spend any time around these guys at the hotel, on the bus, or walk into the ballpark, they are itching and ready to go. I mean, they are anxious to get this thing under underway and hopefully they we do get it underway on time because the weather looks absolutely awful it's raining now tarps on the field and it's supposed to rain throughout the day so i don't know if this is one of those situations where they're going to attempt to play through it because it might be just a light drizzle for most of the day or or what they're going to do uh here but i do know this uh, the gates are open people have started filing in and regardless we are going to be here for uh, a while. This is this is not going to go anywhere, but the, the forecast does not look very promising. And on that end, as someone who was a player uh, during uh, 2001 on 9-11, is it weird to be in New York for you? How does it feel for you? You, you know, a little bit. A little bit just because of, of where we are. I mean, that date is always going to be of, of significance. I mean, I can remember uh, laying in bed. We were at home out in Phoenix in, in Arizona and waking up to the news of what was happening and you realize right then and there we you know the country's under attack and we're not going to be playing baseball for a while it's a surreal moment and then to have the opportunity to be a part of that world series team who's now playing uh, the yankees uh in that world series and i of course you know got the opportunity to start that that third game uh when you know george w bush the president mm-hmm. threw out the the first pitch because it was the first uh, World Series game after 9-11 that was, we had started out in Arizona had won the first two games there come back here, now you, you're facing a very desperate team and you're also facing Roger Clemens, so you have your work cut out for you, the president throwing out the first pitch it was an atmosphere like I've never pitched in before and I long said I would never pitch in no matter how long I pitched, I would never pitch in a bigger game than that one was uh, for me, I think for the country, for what the Yankees were trying to do to get back into that series, that was as big as it was going to get and the most electric atmosphere that I've ever pitched in. And so, yeah, to be back here uh, on that day of remembrance is, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a little, it's, it's surreal. I, that's, it's just, uh, it's strange. Less than a minute to go, B.A. Um, am I wrong to think or am I overconfident thinking, okay, I believe now this club is going to be a playoff team, six games in front of the Orioles with the tiebreaker in hand, and it's a matter of positioning at this point? No, not at all. You know what? I think this team, the way that it has started to gel, the way that it has started to come together, and the way that the the health of this team 
is is coming together at, at this time. I think they're one of the one of the favorites in the American League to, to go to the World Series. There's no question about it. I think that this team is peaking at the right time. They're playing their best baseball at the right time. The pitching staff that's kept them afloat all season long has been next to dominant over the last month or so. The offense is starting to become more well-rounded. They're finding different ways to score runs. I think they lead in Major League Baseball in wins without hitting a home run. And that just is a, is a nice little side note that lets you know that we don't have to rely on any one way to score runs. And, again, that offense has become healthy. The, the, the bench has become stronger. The lineup is stronger. The bullpen is stronger. McClanahan coming back to that starting staff will make that, once again, as strong as you can get it. So I think that when you boil it all down, this team is right at the head of the class for favorites to go to the World Series. So playoff team aside, uh, they've got a chance to do big-time damage this October. PA, great stuff. Stay dry. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Will do, buddy. That's Brian Anderson of Valley Sports Sun. Let's turn to the minor league side and hear from reigning Southern League Player of the Week. Joining me, Oslevas Basabe with Jairo de la Rosa translating. Conmigo están prospecto Oslevas Basabe y Jairo de la Rosa de los Reyes. Gracias por tu tiempo. Muchas gracias a ti por la, por la entrevista. Thank you for the interview. You were Player of the Week in the Southern League. What did that mean to you? Ganaste Jugador de la Semana. Lo que significó para ti. Me sentí muy alegre ya que... Gracias a Dios fue mi primera vez que gané la, el jugador de la semana y gracias a Dios se me dieron las cosas y gracias al trabajo. I, I was I was really happy, you know. Thanks God, everything uh, came together. Uh, and by the way, it's my first time winning Player of the Week. Bueno, bueno, very good. This year is your best. Why? Este año es tu mejor en las ligas menores. ¿Por qué? En offseason trabajé más de lo normal. Gracias a Dios y Gracias a Dios he mandado las cosas, no he dejado de trabajar este año y enfocado en cada juego, en cada picheo, en cada picheo a la defensiva también. Gracias a Dios he mandado las cosas como lo esperaba. I will say that I really put together a, a good off season. I did a lot of work uh, in the off season and I paid off. Thanks God, you know, everything has come together. You know, I've been, uh, you know, focused on, on every single pitch, uh, on defense, every single pitch. Uh, in the batter box, so and I'm really happy to say that everything uh, came together, and and that's because of the work that I did during the off season. So where have you improved? Donde uh, donde has mejorado este año mentalmente y físicamente? Yo digo que me puse un poco más fuerte mental, ya que la temporada es larga y trabajé mucho en mi defensa, ya que tenía muchas cosas débiles en la defensa y en el bateo. I think uh, mentally, I, I was prepared because I understood that the season was going to be long. Defensively, uh, I need to, I, I have improved a lot uh, because uh, there was, I have some soft spot in the past and, and I kept working in those and, and they have been paying off this year. Offensively, uh, I continue to work hard. You know, there are some items there that I need to, improve but you know they have been uh working for me and whatever i have been doing with the staff uh it's been really good you play three positions where are you most comfortable juegas tres posiciones donde te sientes más comodo yo diría que en el sol pero sabiendo que hay mucha muchos prospectos en la organización este me he acostumbrado a jugar más la tercera base pero yo diría que me siento más me, me, más cómodo en el sol 
uh, if you ask me, I'll say I, I feel more comfortable playing shortstop, but understanding that, that, that we have too many prospects uh, throughout the minor leagues, you know, I will tell you, I feel really comfortable uh, playing third base. You know, I'm getting used to that. Uh, but if you continue to ask me, my answer will be that I prefer to play shortstop. And it is your second year with the Rays. Are you more comfortable as to segundo con, uh, año con los Rays? ¿Estás más cómodo ahora? Sí, yo diría que sí. Me gustan mucho los Rays. Yes, I will say yes. I like the Rays a lot. So when you were traded to the Rays two years ago, were you surprised? Hace dos años fuiste cambiado a los Rays. ¿Te sorprendiste? Sí, me sorprendí porque gracias a los Rangers me dieron la oportunidad. Este fue mi primer equipo como profesional. Este lo consideraba como mi familia, pero yo entiendo que este es un negocio y hay que seguir trabajando en los Rays y si en algún momento me llegan a cambiar, seguiré trabajando porque yo entiendo que este es un negocio. Yes, yes, I was really surprised. You know, the Rangers gave me uh, the first opportunity into professional baseball. So when the time came that I was traded, I was I was surprised. But at the same time, I understand that this is a business. You know, now I'm, I'm really in love with the race. And if the time comes in which I have to be traded again, I will continue to do the best I can do, which is do my job the, to the best of my abilities. I, I want the fans to learn a little more about you. Tell me your story. <laughs> Quiero que los fanáticos aprendan más sobre ti. Dime uh, un poco uh, sobre tu historia. Este... Yo soy de Venezuela, soy de una familia pelotero. Mis padres, mi papá jugó, mi tío jugó béisbol. Tengo varios primos en profesional. Este, desde pequeño, desde yo digo de que tengo uso de razón, eh, he jugado béisbol, ya que mi familia es pelotera y es lo único que sé hacer y es lo único que me gusta hacer, jugar béisbol. I come from Venezuela, uh, by the way, uh, from a baseball family. My father played baseball, my uncle. I have few cousins that uh, play professionally. Uh, one of your brother, my brother uh, also plays uh, professionally. Um, you know, since I have knowledge, uh, baseball is everything that I love to do, is everything that I want to do. And uh, I want to continue to play this game. And did you always want to play baseball? Siempre quieres jugar baseball cuando era niño? Sí, yo quería jugar desde niño. Yo creo, creo que desde que tenía tres años. Mm -hmm. Yo me un bate y yo me la pasaba con un bate y una pelota en la mano y un casco, un casco que ni me quedaba. Yeah, yeah. Since I was a little kid, I've been in love with baseball. I think when I was three years old, my mom bought me a, a baseball bat and uh, and uh, and I always was walking around with my bat, a baseball, and a helmet that didn't even fit me. It was too big. But you know, uh, since I have uh, knowledge, you know, that's what I always I, I wanted to do. And who who are you? Who were or who are your favorite players? Quién son tus jugadores favoritos en las Grandes Ligas? Ahorita yo creo que no tengo jugador favorito, pero sí estuvo en Grandes Ligas. Es venezolano, es José Pirela. As of right now, I don't think I have a favorite player, but uh, I there was a player who was in the big leagues uh, once, José Pirela. He was my favorite player back then. And what are your greatest strengths as a hitter? Como bateador, ¿cuáles son tus puntos, uh, puntos fuertes? Yo digo que batear del de medio afuera. I will say that, you know, I'm really good at, at hitting uh, middle away. Uh, that has been a, a, an ability that I have. And when you're not playing baseball, tell us a little bit about what you like to do. Cuando no estás jugando a baseball, ¿qué te gusta hacer? 
eh, me voy a mi casa y me gusta compartir mucho con mi familia, con mi esposa, con mi mamá, mi papá y con mi abuelo. Me gusta jugar mucho dominó con mi abuelo y estar tranquilo en casa. Uh, I just go home. Uh, I like to spend time with my family, my wife, my mom, uh, my, my father, my grandfather. I like to play domino. Uh, and uh, something that I do is just uh, go home and, and spend time with the family. It's my favorite thing to, thing to do. And I know you want to get to the big leagues. How do you want to improve in the future? ¿Cómo has mejorado en el futuro? Yo digo que el trabajo lo hace todo. Yo digo que si uno no trabaja, uno puede tener la, la herramienta, pero si uno no trabaja, uno no la puede desarrollar. Yo digo que trabajando, y hay que seguir trabajando día a día para uno seguir mejorando y ser mejor persona y mejor pelotero cada día. I would say working hard is everything. You know, it doesn't matter how much skills you have. If you don't continue to work in those skills and get them better, you know, you're never going to get to where you want to uh, get. So working hard, it's everything to me. Uh, great stuff. Uh, we so appreciate your time and wish you a lot of con uh, continued success. Felicidades uh, por el uh, jugador de la semana y gracias por tu tiempo y éxito continuo. Muchas gracias a ti y muchas gracias Jairo por la traducción. Dios lo bendiga. Muchas gracias. Thank you. Thank you for the translation. Thank you for the opportunity for the interview. God bless you and thank you. And that's us, Levis Basabe and 864 OPS this year. More of This Week in Rays Baseball after this on the Rays Baseball Network. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations, so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solans. Time to turn our attention to our latest feature on Rays Baseball Operations today. I'm David Hamlet, coordinator of Amateur Scouting. So I first started as a dev scout, which was, I believe, 2015. Everything's starting to blend. It might have been 2016. I didn't know about the job previously, so to backtrack a little bit, I was first a video intern with the Padres and then was told from a scout from the White Sox about what's called the Buck O'Neill Scouting and Coaches Association. From there, I got to see Matt Allison, who helped recruit me to Mid-America Nazarene University, who was also our area scout for the Midwest. I told him, hey, I'm looking for a job. Hey, the Rays have this dev scout program. I don't have any, like, nothing I can do to help you get it, but here's the info. I think you'd be great. And I went from there. So what does, I guess, a dev scout is a development scout. Yeah. What does a development scout do, and then how did that eventually transform into what you're doing now. So a dev scout is kind of like a scouting internship, but a lot more intense. So I started in January. I moved to Texas. and I worked under our two Texas scouts and some of our Louisiana scout and also had my cross checker, Jeff Cornell. And I was like a regular area scout just with less time with the players. I would see the players for the first time. That spring, instead of like a normal scout, will start from the summer, get the fall, and then get the spring before writing their reports. I would see them for the first time and then write a full report. And you went, you did that for how long before you ended up in 
on the office side or in the offices more or less. So I did that for a year, didn't mess up enough, and the Four Corners opened up and they hired me there. So then I was a Four Corners area scout for four drafts after that. I got the office job as the coordinator now, and this was my first draft just completed. When did you get bit by the baseball bug to begin with, and what led to your love for the game? I've always loved baseball. I grew up a Dodger fan. My dad was a huge Dodger fan, so I grew up listening to Vince Gully. That's just been in my blood my entire life. So, yeah, I can't remember where it started. I just, I've always been obsessed with the game. So when did you decide you wanted to work in it, and did you play a lot growing up? So I played all the way to college. I didn't know, I, I didn't grow up wanting to be a scout. That happened from my mentor and former big leaguer, Jalal Leach. So I used to train with him when I was in high school, and he recently got a job with the Yankees as a pro scout. So one day I was there, he knew how obsessed I was with the game, he knew a lot about me, he valued my opinion somewhat, and the Yankees had a trade that was they wanted his opinion on and then he asked me my opinion on it. we talked about it and that night when I was going back from Sacramento to Stockton the trade went through and I was like wow scouting you not only get to scout but you get to be a, a part of trades I my mind was blown and then from then on I was like this is something I'd like to do so now you're not out in the field as much what types of things do you do and how different is it from what you did before it's very different. It's very hard to like tell people what exactly I do. I have my hand in a little bit of everything. I would say scouting-wise, I still go out, just not as much. And as an area scout, the area scout's like the offensive line when it comes to scouting. It's, it's the first line of defense. For me in this role, the area scout's already picked out the players. I'm just an extra report to give an extra opinion. Um, I, run, I work closely with our model. Um, I work closely with our scouts, making sure we got coverage and everything is tight and ready for the draft. So you had mentioned your, your mentor had worked on the pro scouting side. Do you eventually want to do a bit of both, pro scouting and amateur scouting? What are the differences in, from your standpoint? So, yeah, I never wanted to get into amateur scouting because I didn't know much about it. I just knew he was a pro scout and I wanted to be a pro scout. But I'm very thankful. With, because of the deaf scout situation, I got to be, um, I got to see what it was like. But yeah, I'm just a scout. I can scout pros, amateur, international. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what department. Scouting is still scouting. What does the fan of race baseball not know about what's maybe the biggest challenge or what are the challenges that fans may not know about scouting? Scouting is a lot like hitting. You could do everything right. Your process can be perfect. You can hit the ball over 100 miles an hour, and if it goes to right at a guy, you're still out. You still lost. It is very hard, and that's the only way I can compare it is to hitting. In terms of, let's say, with scouting a player, kind of put it in that context. So, yeah, you could... Like a guy, you can have all your scouts from your area scout, cross-checker, national guys. You can meet the family, meet the kid, say he has great makeup, have everything work out, think you've got a slam dunk in the first round, and he turns out to be a dud. And what did you do wrong? Sometimes there's nothing wrong. It's just you're not the one that has to perform. It's the kid, and for whatever reason, he didn't meet his expectations. Or he wasn't available when you picked. Correct. <laughs> Correct. What do you what do you long term hope to do in the game? Obviously, you love the sport. Long, I've, I get that question a lot now in the office, and it's kind of cliche. But I'm just focused on being the best coordinator I can be. Like, 
I got tunnel vision right now. Going from area scout to coordinator has been very challenging. Once I master being a coordinator, then I can start to look ahead. But I'm nowhere close to that right now. And what's been most enjoyable about working for this organization? Because you've been here now for a bit. Just the access they give you. You... I was very interested in the model, and I wanted more detail on how our draft process worked from Area Scout. And then from there, I got promoted, and I got that access. And just having access, and not all teams do that, right? There, a lot of the teams want to keep you behind the curtain, and us, if you, if you show interest in it, they're going to help you get that access you want. And congratulations. I know you just started a family. Yes, I just had a baby girl. Um, August 1st, so my mind is going crazy right now, trying to figure some things out. So you get lack of sleep now as a dad and lack of sleep as a scout. Correct. Correct. It's been a long one. So as soon as we finished the draft, Rob Metzler, our scouting director, told me, hey, don't worry about the signings. Stay home. Uh, your wife is doing any day now. So it was draft, baby, real fast. How, mu- how important is that? Because this organization has a reputation for the total person, the family. What does that mean to you? It's extremely important. It's Every team isn't like this, and that's what makes us special. I've heard horror stories of guys having a baby and then having to immediately go back to work, where this was take your time, be a dad first, come back to work when you're ready. That's David Hamlet, amateur scouting coordinator, our latest feature on Rays Baseball Operations. If you missed it this week, Brandon Lau was named the Rays Roberto Clemente Award nominee, and I asked Brandon what it meant to him. I mean, it, it's it's hard to kind of quantify it with words i mean you look at some of the guys that have won it won it before or even nominated on our team beforehand i mean what what nelly's done what you know the the previous guys have done uh it's really an honor to be kind of put up there on that that in that discussion with those guys is it especially meaningful this year i mean because of the work that you've done for mental health yeah i mean it, it is it's definitely a, a, a special year for it, uh, with, with everything, and uh, you know, with with everything that had happened with Gene, it, I mean, it does make it all that much more special to kind of bring the mental health aspect of everything to the forefront. And hopefully, you know, people see this, people understand that it's something that you can go talk about. Don't don't hold it in, and you know, find some help, talk to somebody, anybody really. Uh, they don't have to be your mom or dad it could be a friend it could be anybody you know everyone's there to listen and everybody wants to help winning recognition like this does it help bring even more attention to the platform i I, I mean i really hope so i don't think that any kind of recognition could be bad recognition at this point for for something like this you know it's been held in such a negative light for so long that i don't think that you know, especially when winning an award or being nominated for an award um, could ever bring a negative connotation to anything. And if anything, I hope it re- reaches more people. You know, people see that teams are talking about it. There's people being nominated for awards that are talking about it. You know, hopefully it humanizes it a little bit more and people are more open to talk about it. And I know you are someone who appreciates the history of the game and know what Roberto Clemente meant to this game to be recognized with that name what does that mean to you on a from a baseball and a personal level yeah i mean i think uh that's probably one of the more recognizable names in all of baseball honestly and to kind of have that 
that award, that name be brought up and then my name kind of right behind it, it, it it's it's honestly it's incredible. You know, we have a lot of a lot of great guys on the team and around the league and to, to be nominated and one of the people that could, you know, be up there with that with the name Roberto Clemente, it, it's it's pretty special. We know that mental health is primary for you, but you've also done a lot of work with kids. What has that been like and what does that mean to you as well? I mean, honestly, all the the Louds Legend stuff, it's 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 a blast. Um, doing this for you know a job, you kind of you can really lose touch that you know I'm playing a kids game. You know, I have one of the best jobs in the world, but you know, day in and day out, if you kind of hit a slump or something like that, you know, you kind of get down on yourself. You get up, you get upset, but I get to go and work a camp with you know 200 little kids running around that just are out there purely for the joy of the game really kind of puts things in perspective and makes you realize that, yeah, this is this game's actually really fun. Maybe we should, you know, stop taking it all so serious all the time and, you know, realize that, you know, we're playing a game. Let's go out there have some fun with it. You mentioned running around with kids. I haven't said to you in an interview, congratulations. I know you and Madison are expecting your first next year. How exciting is that? Yeah, I mean, we are absolutely over the moon. And, you know, it's... It's been a struggle for us to get here. We've we've really, I I say we like I'm really a part of it. You know, Madison has been through a lot, and to kind of see her grow and see her just glowing with you know the news that you know we're gonna welcome in a, a hopefully a healthy boy here pretty soon, and it's you know changed the way I look at her, and you know I I know that I can't wait. I know that she's extremely excited to to meet our little you know baby son and then on top of that you guys are vying for on the field or vying for a playoff spot how much does all this mean in the the grand scheme it seems like everything is kind of coming together really well yeah i mean it's september baseball this is i feel like what people want people you know live for these these kind of games that it's 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 almost feels like playoff games before playoffs you know the first place in the east is it's it's within reach you know i think uh we keep playing our baseball we keep playing really good like, like we have been here recently then we have a real shot to really you know make things interesting here down the stretch that's brandon Lau, the race roberto clemente award nominee brandon and his wife madison selected the baby quest foundation as their charity choice to receive seventy five hundred dollars for the Roberto Clemente Award nominee. Getting loud back on the field and Wander Franco this week means the infield is more whole. And I asked third base coach and infield instructor Rodney Linares about how he felt about the way the group hung in without them. Well, I'm, I'm really extremely proud of the group. I'm, you know, even the guys that came in, uh, like Chang, who wasn't here, uh, Paredes has done an excellent job. Yandi's matured and played beyond the uh, Probably my expectations. Uh, he's moving a lot better at third base, and then you know what uh, Walsey's done at short is remarkable. Has he had in your mind? I mean, I know that the numbers behind the scenes say he's right at the top of the league. Is it a Gold Glove season at this point? You ask me. Yeah, yeah. There's no question about it, and there's no question. There's plenty of those for him in the future. Uh, you know, he's an elite defender, and probably one of the best that I've seen, and probably the best in baseball right now. 
What makes him so good at that spot to you? For me, it's the the anticipation and, and his hands. He's got great hands, not to mention the range, but his anticipation of where the ball's going to be hit. It's kind of like what uh, Andrew Jones used to do at center field. Like he would run to that spot. He does that at short, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, this, this week you got Brandon back. You got Wander Franco back. How much does that change things for him? And how much more ready do you feel he is to move around the diamond because he's had the success that he's had? Well, I think so. I think in the beginning of the year he was a little, you know, there was some angle stuff that happened at third base that he had a couple of errors early. But, you know, ground ball is a ground ball. Uh, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna play. He's going to be elite wherever we put him. And he knows, uh, he knows how much we value him, and he knows how much value he has to, uh, to us uh, in order for us to win this year. And will it also help, too? It might give, you know, Yandi a chance to get a day off every now and then, more than he has to this point, or maybe a, an extra DH day every now and then? No question. There's no question about that. Having, you know, sparring Yandi a day off his legs and even uh, moving him to first, like, so he doesn't, he's not on his leg that much. But also, you know, the flex- flexibility that you have with him is that you can put him anywhere. What are the expectations for Brandon and Wander now that they're back? Obviously, they missed a fair amount of time during the course of this season. I, I think it's more about just staying healthy, you know, keeping them healthy. And, you know, we're a better team with them on the field. Uh, we all know. Uh, but again, you know, I give, I give kudos to our guys. What they've done is uh, remarkable. Like our defense from where we started at the beginning of the year to where we're at right now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty comfortable and I'm feeling pretty proud of them. But then in Yandi's case, you mentioned that he's matured defensively. Where has he matured? I think the the fact that, you know, when Yandi got here, uh, he had a little bit of, he was hesitant to do a lot of work early. Uh, now he's out here every day. Even today I told him he's not playing. I told him to stay off his feet today. Don't come out. Don't come and take round balls and anything. But I think that's the maturing part. You know, it's, it's kind of hard when you're talking about a 29, 30-year-old like Yandi. But, uh, you know, this is... It, 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 is, it is a game. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's matured a lot. He's moving a lot better. Harold's done a great job, too, at first base. You know, I, I, he, for a guy that's never played first base, come to the big leagues and play first base, you know, he's going to have his up and downs, but he's been pretty steady. Since you brought that up, I think what's most remarkable is how well the second, short, and third have played, considering you haven't had an everyday first baseman there because of all the, the turnover and injuries. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, but the guys that we've poked there, you know, Again, I mentioned Harold uh, Betancourt when he's out there. You know, uh, G-Man has also had a, a you know an up and down year because of injuries, uh, and we've had some guys play banged up. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm extremely proud of what the guys have done, and you know, just keep doing it and roll into the playoffs and try to win. Special thanks to third base coach and infield instructor Rodney Linares and all the guests on the show today. Race catcher Kristen Bethencourt, Brian Anderson of Valley Sports Sun, prospect Oslevis Basabe, David Hamlet of Race Baseball Operations, and also Brandon Lau on being the Race Clemente Award nominee this year. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me, and you can do that at Neil Solons. Next week, of course, we'll have much more on the playoff races. Special thanks to producer John Dugas. I'm Neil Solons. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, in the right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front, four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.